overwhelmed by the responses <laughs> to uh, the app. Either that means that uh, we answered all the questions that you may have had, or the technology was a barrier. Next time, maybe we'll use post-its. Um, but I've got some questions together that we did get. Um, so we'll ask the panel, but as we're going through this, feel free to um, chip in if you have things that you want to add, or if there are subsequent questions that relate to the original post question, and we'll have this sort of uh, dialogue. So uh, to kick it off, the first one, quite a long one. Uh, it's about anonymous marking. I think we touched a little bit on that. Um, anonymous marking is seen as a way to counter and be seen to countering a conscious bias. However, it can put barriers in place for developing full feedback dialogue if it prevents students being able to discuss feedback directly with the marker. What suggestions as a panel do you have for overcoming the feedback challenges of anonymous marking while retaining the fairness, perceived and or actual element? Mm. Mm, very good. <laughs> Panel, any thoughts? Uh, so I mentioned that if um, students are submitting in Moodle, the uh, submission can be anonymised, and then after marking it can be de-anonymised so that they can then discuss the, the uh, assignment with the marker. That, that's one way of doing it. Yeah, I suppose it also highlights that feedback is not just the written part. Mm -hmm. So if we move away from just the, the feedback on the summative assessment, think about all the other opportunities there are for feedback, biologic feedback, obviously, in the yeah. classroom, that wouldn't, that, wouldn't, that would get around the issue of anonymity, I guess. Yeah, and I think it's also um, sometimes that we, as a, uh, a body of people that represent a profession, sometimes it's seen that um, this would solve the bias issue. Um, and there's elements of professionalism um, that we perhaps need to explain to students uh, the, the, the marking process and the, and the fact that um, work is second mark, a sample, external examiners see it. So sometimes I think students' perception of fairness is, is misconstrued in terms of the way that we operate. Um, we, we've done a, you probably all do this, like a, a sort of what happens to my work when it goes, um, goes into the submission, do you do that? And talking students through that process I think is, is, is helpful. But um, I guess what we're talking about is two things, the marking part and the feedback part, yeah. isn't it, really? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and that is a challenge with, with anonymous marking. Quite a few unis have gone to anonymous marking. Um, and it does seem to be quite student-driven um, in, in that. Um, uh, when I was writing the anonymous marking paper, I sent a few student union officers the paper, and I got uh, blocked on Twitter by three of them because I went against their campaign. To, uh, to get anonymous marking. One of them was at the University of Derby, I think someone's here, yeah, who <laughs> have just used anonymous yeah. marking. Uh, yeah. But the evidence is, is patchy yeah. on, on whether it actually removes, removes bias. Um, we, yeah. we use anonymous marking at Flux Uni, yeah. and um, um, I think for me, and, and probably most of our team, it does remove that bias of individuals. And um, we've just released some marks yesterday, so it's quite funny, I've got lots of email because I'm on the module leader and they're unhappy. It wasn't for me, it was yeah, yeah. probably the members in my team at the moment, they haven't sent me to say I'm unhappy Joyce, but um, I'm sure they probably might do. But um, what was good, because I gave somebody 85 and um, and I thought, my gosh, they've done really well, it was clear, it was succinct, they did all the information. And when I, when I looked at the marks to say, who did I mark? Because I was just interested to say, who did I give 82 and 72? There was one girl in the group, and I actually taught her, 
and she didn't say anything, she wasn't engaged sometimes, and she never knew all the answers, but in the exam, she obviously did extremely well, and I was just so impressed with them. So, and you know, um, I'm sure I probably wouldn't have um, marked her otherwise if I knew who she was, but it was nice to then be able to look at them after the marks had been released to identify who's done really well, and probably say, oh yes, I know he or she would have, or I'm surprised they didn't do as well as, but it does remove that, for me, that bias, and I believe our team that bias, because we just have such a good working relationship with our students, that yeah. actually, it just makes it completely objective. And um, I was just thinking that the whole issue of anonymity is really complex, isn't it? And it ties into you know our values about dialogic feedback and building that connection and, and relationship with um, our students. But it also reminds me of the challenges that we face as academics receiving anonymous feedback by peer review <laughs> and all the um, barriers and problems that are associated with that. And um, uh, I did some research on it and. You know, some of the, the suggestions were, well, we shouldn't have anonymous um, peer review feedback, we should have open peer review feedback, but then that was always kind of shouted down that we, we wouldn't get reviewers doing that if that was the case. Yeah. But there were, there were really, um, you know, really highlighted some of the real, the real barriers and problems with being anonymous and actually hiding behind that anonymity. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a complex area. It's okay. interesting, there's a couple of, this, a bit of a game changer with Frontiers Journal, mm. who are now telling you yeah. who's reviewed. Um, yeah. And there yeah. is a, an indication you can have a dialogue as you're reviewing yes. with, the, uh, with the authors. But also, has anyone had pudlons? Is it? Yes. Yeah. And, and that says that it, I don't know if it shows what feedback you've given or who you've. I think it's just which journal. It's just which journal. Yeah. So thankfully, it's not saying which article because that <laughs> might be. Yeah. But it could change yeah. the whole way that the yeah. review happens. Yeah, because there is a there is an issue there. If you can't have that open dialogue mm. to say I don't understand what you mean by this, then. But can I just say, we do actually say who marked it, it's just that we don't know who we're yeah, marking sure. it, but yeah. students know yeah. who we are because mm. we give our name and our yes. email address for them yeah. to contact us. But on the flip side of that, I was speaking to another academic uh, at an event, an Asari event, and um, they were saying how they didn't do anonymous marking and they would categorise certain groups of students and mark them down because of who they are. Oh. So actually I felt that those students or those particular yeah. groups of students were penalised because of they don't usually do very well and yeah. actually and they said, oh I give them a D anyway because I haven't done very well throughout and so actually I felt that was a I won't say that human has to be as well. But actually I, I, I found that quite um, it can also work the other way, can't it? The halo effect, can't yeah. where you yes. actually mm. so much better than you expected yeah. and you almost ways to build in a participation you know, if you're so concerned about what they do in the session then there's other you know you can break down your assessment into a task that's something about the way they participate yeah and a task that's actually based on the content or the knowledge that you want them to show rather than blurring the two really mm -hmm. saying this is about both their behavior and their kind of engagement and their achievement I've just got a question for the room, really. Um, we're supposed to be doing a double blind marking, so we don't know who the students are, and we don't know who the second marker is. And we're having a bit of um, debate in our department and in the college, why, you know, more widely, about how, what software to use. Um, so we use Blackboard instead of Google, um, and there isn't a facility to do that. So does anyone else do double blind marking? I want to use what software. Does anyone use Wiseflow? 
Does anyone do double blind? So you have two people that are working simultaneously and the students anonymous as well? We do it manually with dissertation. Manually, so yeah. So third person who does the allocation. But you must know who the student is. We know who the student is because it's a project. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be anonymous. So it's single blind, so you don't Well, know oh, I see, that you, way around. Yeah. So double blind, I think, two people mark it. Oh, I see, okay, yeah. right. Yeah. So no one else does double blind using software. Okay. Right, I think we'll switch to a, a slightly different area. Uh, okay. Oh, sorry, go on. No, it's okay. Um, uh, I just wanted to say that, um, well, I, I, I'm a seminar tutor as well, so I do mark a lot um, and I give a lot of feedback. Um, and I think for me, like the, the session was very interesting, but also like I can't really see how feedback can be so detached from assessment. Like when I was saying the holistic um, the holistic nature of the two of them. Like, I, I'm so resisting um, the anonymous marking. Well, I do have my essays handed in for formative feedback. Um, so when when I have the final one, I go back to the, the drafts. Because you have to see what the students have taken on board, what you have said. You know them through the seminars. Like, Feedback is not just in, on the final thing, it's also how they engaged, how they contributed, how they managed to overcome some personal issues and being there anyways. So, well, my feedback at the end of it is not just how they've written their essays, it's, it's whole. Uh, and I think professionalism is not taking it personally, as you were saying. Professionalism is not uh, just anonymized the student. So, yeah, so I just don't agree with uh, the anonymous one. I think it's more on the side of, of the teacher to work on him or herself and, and develop the pedagogic practice. Okay, uh, another question that is very different to this one. Um, what links panel do you see between feedback literacy and developing student well-being. Um, well, I, I might be able to answer that just because someone asked me some questions earlier, so it might, it might be there. Um, basically, uh, one of the things that I was saying when I was talking about building feedback literacy into the curriculum, I said that you could kind of mirror something like um, the way that we try to embed critical thinking into the curriculum in the sense that often it's done as like a separate module of critical thinking, but actually we know that really if you embed it into activities is the best way of doing that. So I think another way you can kind of compare it is like with wellbeing. We often have wellbeing centres, wellbeing, I don't know, uh, sessions, that sort of thing. But actually, again, often I think wellbeing probably would be better as something more implicit in, in kind of what we do. So I suppose, um, I don't know, to talk about the person who asked me the question, but I, I assume it's to do with the way that if, like with lots of things we do at university, we need to move away from these things where we just say, oh, we're doing this tick box session on this thing, and all of these practices should be built into what we do as a whole, rather than just, oh, we've done something in diversity, we've done something in wellbeing, we've done something in physical thinking. I, I don't know if that answers the question, but, but that, that was, I think, what we were talking about earlier. I don't know if anyone else had anything, any more thoughts I not remember the Australian universities that it was, but there's a really nice toolkit that's been recently developed. It's called, um, it's about a curriculum for wellbeing, and it, it kind of does that. It brings in all those things in, into 
how you set assessments, how you design modules, how the modules link to one another, um, the, how you get your students to engage with, with one another in, in group activities and things like that. And it does make it actually, it, it doesn't say, oh, now we're doing well-being. Oh, yeah. no, I'm just going to say, actually, oh, this is a well-being moment in our curriculum. It's actually that it's trying to be an, just an inclusive approach to actually how we design and, 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 and teach, us, teach and assess our students. Um, and one of the big ones is obviously about how we map how assessments happen over a programme. Um, so bunching of assessment, bottlenecking is obviously not so great for most students' well-being. I think some probably would say the opposite, they thrive on that, so it's, it's, it's hard to balance. But um, again, like the example that you gave, Ed, we, you know, again, our message at UCL, the message we're being told to pass on is less is more, less assessment, less assessment, less assessment. But what that means is that the, the assessment that students have is so high stakes. Yeah. So it's it, it, it's a really delicate balancing act. You know, I don't. You, uh, we have parts of engineering, don't we, where it's divided into kind of units of three point two five percent or something. You know, this can, this this contributes this much to. And I think when that's across a whole program, that is too much. And students are constantly being asked for something that's, that's contributing. But if suddenly all their assessment is a hundred percent and it's happening in May. Um, so I think that the assessment side is really important from the kind of curriculum for well-being, and in terms of feedback, it is about what you say is about resilience, mm -hmm. and it's about supporting students to get there, not blaming them, and not saying it's a, a position of deficit that they can't handle feedback, uh, but but building that as a process. And a lot of universities have resilience as their graduate attribute, um, but it's how we how we can yeah. maybe foster feedback culture to to think um, someone's laughing about graduate attributes. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but <laughs> this is the kind of thing we have. But it um, could be used feedback as, as a way of building that resilience. I think you're right that you know that you understand how you, how you um, cope with adversity. But similarly, um, resilience can also mean how you cope with um, very positive outcomes. So in the research I've done with students that are um, euphoric about. Uh, grades, for example, that they didn't expect to get, their reaction is as bad as a negative um, grade because they completely ignore, ignore feedback and they just go off and celebrate. They don't, they don't really understand why they've achieved what they've achieved. So, so similarly, it's about how you, how you maintain that sort of um, equilibrium in terms of, of your reactions to things. Someone gave me a really, really nice example the other day that um, they've marked a whole load of students' work and they've done that thing they've never done before. They've gone above the 85 or they've really felt some of the best pieces of work I've ever done. This student must know they're doing so well. And apparently the student came really, really kind of I, I'm, I'm this is just amazing. I never expected to get this. I didn't think, could you tell me why my work's actually so good? I haven't, I don't, you know, <laughs> it wasn't the one who was just like, yeah, I'm soaring yeah, through yeah. this. This is what I you know, always get above, the, always get a distinction. And actually it was, it was quite a kind of humble approach that I could actually highlight the things that are good about this. Yeah. So I don't know why it's, I don't know why it's called so It's just highly. as important as the bad, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a bit of a provocative question. At lecturer level, there is growing acknowledgement of the importance of assessment and feedback literacy, but does senior management care more about bums on seats? We're getting into the big issues now, aren't we? The old money. Yeah, that's quite, yeah. The anonymity of the ghost soapbox. Um, that was weird. Right, Anna, what do we think? Bums on seats, or is feedback assessment literacy more important? NSS, I think. But but I do think um, that we don't put enough resources into developing staff. 
Um, so you might have a centres like ours for, you know, educational and academic development, but actually staff time, you yeah. know, do they have time to come along to the centre, do they have time to engage, do they have time to take courses? And that's probably where we need to put more resources. Yeah. And do they have time to follow up on it? Yeah. I think that's what we really struggle with here. We, we get some really, you know, positive kind of feeling in the room, don't we, and have some really good discussions with people, and then they go back to their extremely busy lives. And, and if they're not given the space to... And, and then if they do put time into developing educational initiatives, how's that going to advance their career? Because yeah. in our institution, you know, if you've got a good research profile, you're doing well in the rest, that's how you're going to advance I think the other thing is that bums on seats is represented by a metric, and I think literacies aren't. And I think obviously we know that if you really put in the work to develop those sorts of things, it will lead to positive outcomes. But that takes time. It takes initiatives like you're doing when you're putting, you know, iterative process. It's not quick. Yeah. One such shot. And I think um, that's the difficulty. I think is that you've got to. And I suppose that, you know, it's hard, isn't it? If senior management wants uh, something, a number to increase from this to this. Uh, how do you show that you actually can do that but will take time? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's quick fix. So I know yeah. of one institution that um, double their efforts around about a week before the NSS comes out and how we can get students to fill in the NSS better. Really, that process has got to start a lot earlier um, than the last couple of weeks in their third year. Um, so, you know, we've rebadged it now finishing well. And stuff like this, but all that should really happen a lot earlier. I said we are giving it away there. <laughs> but you, you, you do think the thought processes of, of, of doing that is almost right just before that hot horse is going to leave the game, and it, it should happen way earlier than that. And I think we've, we've touched all three of the presentations today, um, have touched upon that culture and changing that culture so that it begins at an earlier stage rather than trying to do it when it's right at the last minute when actually it's probably too late to, to initiate and any change. We, we have lots of examples of educational initiatives happening across the sector, but how many examples do we have of educational initiatives that run for five years or ten years but also a, a, um, a way of collecting all of those together to have yeah. that, that, mm -hmm. that harness and there was talk of, we've got Patrick here from Advance HE, and maybe this is some feedback for Advance HE. There was talk about yes, these um, communities <laughs> of practice, and we used to have, for, for those of us who are in the, the subject centres, so, so, yeah. and they were fantastic, yeah. he's going to be wincing. Yeah. Uh, these were fantastic <laughs> ways of gathering yeah. Um, uh, yeah. disciplinary based resources and, and projects that, that we could look at. It would be fantastic as a sector to try and get those. Initiatives yeah, I mean, I, I'm quite happy to comment on the on the subject centres as as well as the, the original point made by Teresa. Um, I I remember as a member of staff at City University at the time how frustrated I was, like everybody yeah. around me, that the subject centres went. There seemed to be a kind of sector wide um, level of disappointment that they that they went, but went they they did. And I think that kind of links to what you said, Teresa, which is that. Um, we, we, we don't we don't have that opportunity or much less opportunity than we used to for five year initiatives. But without kind of trying to stress any political affiliations on my part, a few governments ago we, we did have those opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I think you know the kind of withdrawal large scale withdrawals of funding affected both those sorts of initiatives you're you're mm -hmm. talking about and also yeah. the real reason why the subject centres you just referred to yeah. ultimately gone away. Yeah. But they, they are missed and I think it's quite interesting that um, I still hear them referred to now quite a bit, 
all these years on. I can't remember what year they they went, but it was quite a few years ago now, and yet they're they're still missed. So obviously, you know, they they are a loss. Yeah, and I think it's it's symptomatic of the the, the climate we live in. It's all about quick hits yeah. and, yeah. and metrics. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and I think it, you know, we, we, as a collective, we're taking quite a battering in the press about the purpose of higher education. And I think collectively, we, we've got to try and dispel that myth that just because we do this on one day, that that results in that, and that's the graduate. The narrative is quite disturbing, really. Yeah, but that, that, that quick hits point you make is absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that has. It's a longer-term process, yeah, isn't yeah. it? And it's also about... Oh, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, it's also about the um, question of developing, whether we're developing feedback literacy in, in order to improve NSS or whether we're developing feedback yeah. literacy in individuals in order to yeah. develop individuals. Absolutely. Yeah. You would hope that would be a byproduct, wouldn't you, the NSS? Yeah. Yeah. And you get the yeah. first one yeah. as educators, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 actually, uh, because these bank from the sea are international students. And the uh, the staff uh, is not very international, and the background is not very diversified. So it's good to have templates and have tips on how to develop literacy feedback. Uh, but then, if the curriculum and the feedback doesn't really mirror their background, or how they understand a curriculum that is not very based in, in their culture, then the globalization of higher education, internationalization, is just a big bubble, yeah. and then the NHS uh, is negative. Sure. But so that's, a, that's a very nuanced take on it, isn't it? And I think it requires us to have a sort of nuanced discussion to understand why those differences are happening, rather than thinking we need quite a quick fixes that will yeah. deal with it, because they won't in the long term. Mm -hmm. you know? Before you leave, I'll just going to say about feedback literacy and some of these other aspects is that we don't really have much in the UK, possibly Australia does, in terms of online feeding back, here's my job, here's whatever. We're not very good at research at all. We're always focusing on what the students are at the moment, but five years on, ten yeah. years on, coming back, engagement with employers. If it is about this vocation, of course, which very much it is at undergraduate level, no idea that's with masters, etc. We're not joining it up. Yeah. You can't say feedback literacy is a very important skill if you're not working any research. Where's that going coming in from? We need to do a lot more with alumni, but we haven't got that alumni voice that some other countries have in terms of more students coming back, giving that feedback 10 years on, 15 yeah. years on, we've done to it. I think it's the same thing about quick hits and not really looking for yeah. the longer term. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. It's an interesting angle, that. Yeah. We need some funders then, don't we? <laughs> Did you have a question, Helen? Uh, well, a question, I mean, I think it's more of an observation, but um, I'm sorry if any of it came, has come up today when I've not been in the room, but I've been reminded by this session, um, of a session I was attended at SRET conference, um, which I've found the reference for, and of course I see it's one of your colleagues at UCL, perceived effects of technology-mediated dialogic feedback on feedback engagement and use, and uh, James Wood, <coughs> And oh, UCL. He's, yeah. he's a PhD student. Right. He just he got his PhD. Yes. Well, it was it was a really Korea. fascinating yeah. session, and got, and it but it, what it led to because he was sharing some really creative peer-to-peer uh, -peer, um, reviewing yes. going on. Yes. Yeah. And then that led into a dialogue about. Um, the, the sort of dominance of the NSS, that, that that's what was really driving um, you know, feed, any interest in feedback at all, really, at a very much higher management level. And the extent of actually having 
peer-to-peer review in that sort of way, not in a sort of classroom situation or a seminar situation, but where they were actually helping each other with the tutor as well feeding in to develop papers. It's like also the point of your point to think about had it been taken, you know, had things been taken on. I look at the draft, yeah. I look at the final version, and it led, to, you know, it really led to a, you know, a real buzz around all of that. And I just, you know, and particularly with the fact that students, if students had had really good peer feedback like that, which is slightly being curated, overseen rather than curated, yeah. um, by by of course leaders and tutors. Um, that can often, you know, and I, I've seen this in management development work, that peer-to-peer stuff is a bit like getting other people to tell your children what you know, they need to yeah, absolutely. because they'll take it better from someone else than you. Yeah. Um, it, it, I just wonder how much of that's come out in the debate today. Uh, it hasn't a great deal. We've, we've alluded to it. I think if you're looking for a particular author on this, um, Jessica Toh uh-huh. in, in Hong Kong would yeah, be a good person yeah. to have a look at. She's written a couple of papers on how that works, um, particularly in that culture where it's it's a different to, to what we might be talking about in UK HE as well. Um, and I think we have alluded to, to peers, but it hasn't been a huge focus, has it? Has the, have the panel got any thoughts on what is peer feedback's part of um, I know part about uh, feedback literacy model. Mm. Peer feedback is part of I think uh, sort of make, making judgments and understanding quality as opposed to each other's work. So mm. I think it's kind of implicit in that, I guess, but yeah, you're right, they haven't really mm. gone into it too much detail. Yeah. Okay, I'm conscious of time. We'll have one more question, if that's all right. Is that okay, Karen? Yeah. Um, so, I've heard a lot today about what goes on in schools. How can we learn from what happens there? YouTube linked. It's good. I don't every anybody's ever heard of West University. It's in Squamish in British Columbia. It's a small liberal arts college. Fabulous place. But the, there's a talk and a guy from David Hepton, he was the president. And he talks about uh, he was giving a talk uh, uh, in one one morning and uh, he's a biochemist and he was talking with grade school like eight, nine, ten year old students. They just they were brilliant. They were engaging. Put your hands up, they get hands up, three hands up, four. They, they were literally he said they were absolutely brilliant. He said later on that afternoon he was in in, in, a, in, a, uh, in the university with uh, uh, I think with UBC at the time he was there, and he says no objection, and he was going to people there in Northern, and he said one answer for one person, uh, he because he was filled with education, this idea trying to inspire people and inquisitiveness, and the young person said to him, he said I'm not paying for an education, I'm paying for integrity. And I think in the context of what people are paying for and the NSS, 
that's I think some of the issues. I know um, that's a long rambling story. I certainly the the YouTube. It's a brilliant video, but I think in terms of what people are paying for it, and that's the thing there. People say so. I read stuff where people peer review. You go here. You're paid to do this. I'm not paid yeah, to do yeah, that. So yeah. you get that. You know. So he, the question he was asking is, what happened to that nine-year-old boy and that eighteen-year-old boy? In that, you know, what happened to them in that system? Okay, yeah. Long story, sorry. I don't no, know no, 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 I think, I think you're hitting on something there, aren't you? Yeah. Um, but just because you pay for something, it's a bit like a, a gym membership. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you pay to go to the gym, but it doesn't get you the body that you think you're going to get, right? So there's lots of things you've got to do in order to get... Sorry. <laughs> changing the mindset that you might be paying even though it's a deferred payment and I'm not sure that is as, as much as people say but you've got to do things and actually we're offering a suite of things you know uh, if you continue the analogy lots of different stations mm. that they've got to go and visit in order to develop their muscles which is you know I'll stop the analogy now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying you, you offer all of these if you don't take advantage of those then then that is an issue and I wonder whether that's the sort of conversation with the students which is probably going to happen now about us, you know, with the strikes. They're asking mm. for returns on, mm. on yeah. their investment, as it were, because we're not there. Yeah. So yeah. as soon as we don't offer something, they're asking for yeah. it back. But when they don't, yeah. there is no... Yeah. But it's not one of the problems with that as well, is we're not clear, we're not transparent enough about all the, or how their money is being spent as well. Um, and, and in that sense, that I've seen, probably seen those things where students have calculated how much a mislecture costs them, yeah. when that's, you know, beyond... It's so, so inaccurate, obviously, because you can't cost how much really an individual lecture would cost. Um, but I, clearly, if we're getting to that point, it's because we're not doing enough to make that clear enough to students. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and with the strikes, like, to be honest, it's perfectly understandable if they, exactly. if they, 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 they want money back. Yeah. Yeah. You, you would do, yeah. I was just going to say, in response to that question, though, some of the things we could learn from, from my experience in primary schools is things like um, schemes of work um, having a, a bigger take on it, but also um, progress of students. So um, in primary schools and secondary schools, they have, to, um, have expected progress and the students have to meet that. Whereas, say somewhere like Imperial, we take fantastic students, really high caliber students, and we turn out high caliber graduates. But it's really hard to measure that incremental. Yeah. Um, you know, so how do you measure that at higher education? I think, I think perhaps those sort of things we can learn from how they're doing at school, because they have to. They yeah. have to show that. Um, I don't know, things like that. Yeah, I agree. Maybe that was what the learning game was for. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, has anyone got any last thoughts? I'm conscious we're going over and Karen's piercing me there. With the <laughs> 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 okay, well, thank you, panel. Uh, hopefully that's been um, useful to um, get through all the different things that we've explored today. Um, I'll pass it back over to Karen.